You're listening to Chris Scott on FM 105, Down Community Radio. All together now, a number four hit for the farm back 30 years ago in 1991. Well, welcome to the Chris Scott Show on FM 105, Down Community Radio. I'll be with you here for the next hour. And thank you for joining me and thank you for lending me your ears. Farm is a slight clue to what is happening on tonight's show. Yeah, I'm over in the townland of Rivara at Ballygan to speak to one of our well-known and respected butchers, Alfie Murray. Uh, he has a long-established business at Three Cross Street in Killalay. The interview with Alfie was recorded a number of weeks ago and he talks to me about how he first entered the butchery trade apprenticing with John Shaw, uh, who had butcheries located, I think, at 19 Ormer Road, 199 Newton Arts Road and 11 Glenshire. Park in Belfast. And later on in tonight's programme, we are joined by the Castle Welland studio players again with episode four in the second series of The Amazing Adventures of Jonathan No Middle Name Jackson, written by Anthony McFadden, especially for local radio here. So stay tuned for that, folks. I have no idea what's happening in tonight's episode, but I'm sure it'll be as exciting as last week. After the break, I will have a chat with this lovely gentleman, Killalay Butcher, Alfie Murray. FM 105. Your station, your voice, in the heart of Downpatrick. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. I took a wee trip out to uh, the townland of Rafara, out towards Ballygown. And I'm speaking to Alfie Murray. Alfie Murray is well known in, in the Killalay area and beyond, uh, and he's one of the butchers and has been there for many years. Welcome to the programme, Alfie. That's me, yes, thank you. Alfie, you have been in the butchery trade for many years, and I have no doubt things have changed over all those years. Tell me how you got involved as a, as a young fella. I went to Belfast as a 16-year-old, served my apprenticeship to John Shaw, Newton Ards Road, Craigie Road, Armour Road. You were reared in this area, though, first of all. I mean, you grew up here, didn't yes. you? I was born reared here in this area and grew up here, yes. Well, I mean, what age were you when you decided to go to Belfast? 16. Was it a decision that you made, or was it something that your parents would have would have liked you to go into and, and push you that way? No, it was a decision I made myself. Alfie, you were from a farming background, I assume. Mm-hmm. Probably that's what made me go into work with beef work with animals and in those days uh, you know local butchers would there, would there not have been a local butcher that you could have went to well, there's plenty of uh, local butchers but I thought I preferred to serve my apprenticeship in Belfast where was a bigger variety of shops and more up to date at that time you know in those days Alfie it wasn't a matter of just hopping into a motor car I wouldn't have thought and, and getting up to Belfast and maybe I'm wrong maybe that was the mode of transport or would you have to get the bus up you know how, how would you even have got to Belfast I in those travel, days I travelled by bus morning and night up to Belfast wow so yeah. it, it was an early start for you then yes well we started about the shop opened about 8 30 every morning and you would have got the maybe half past seven bus at Ballygan until you get to Belfast and then you walk from wherever you got off the bus to where the shop was. It was Armour Road, I got off at Oxford Street, walked up Cromwell Street at Armour Road and then when I got moved to Criggy Road, I got off at the Hillfoot Road and walked along the old old road, it's a new road now, mm-hmm. to uh, a shop, he had the shop was in Glenshara Park between Craigie Road and the Castlereagh Road in that area. Do you remember the bus fare in those days, Alfie? Do you, do you remember much about that time? 
Oh, it was, wasn't very expensive, to be honest with you. And I couldn't just tell you top of my head how much it was, but it was a few, sp- few shillings. Now, you were schooled here, uh, so that's a big step for a young fellow from the country to go to Belfast. What can you remember your first impressions when you got there? Well, it was very daunting, to be honest with you, you know, and uh, moving into a complete different area, different people, and then I got to like it and enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed the bit through trade nights at it, actually, I loved it, to yeah. tell you the truth. Uh-huh. When, when, when you first started then, you were going in at an apprenticeship level, is that the way the trade worked? I, whenever I start my apprenticeship, in those days, the man you work for, I joined the union, I was told to join the farmers, which was union, mm-hmm. by a man, and then when I joined it, I got a call up to say there's a man wanted to speak to me, mm-hmm. and that man was Jack Shaw, John Shaw. John Shaw had three shops, Ormer Road, Newton Arts Road and Craigie Road, and in those days, when you started working, he signed you up for five years, and he only could have got really ready because of dishonesty, bad workmanship, or behaving badly. Mm-hmm. And he signed up for five years, and you, you couldn't have left him unless he wanted to let you go. I remember Tim Greens of Lisburn mm-hmm. offered me a, a job, and I was forced to be an apprentice with him. And I came in and told him I was leaving and got a job in Lisburn. He says to me, do you not know why have you signed up for five years? Mm-hmm. And when I signed you up for five years, you could do nothing about it unless, as I said, say dishonesty or something like that. Yeah. And that had it in the head then. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you were you were actually tied into a contract, basically? That's correct, yes. That's right. All the apprentices were. That's right. So they were paying you, uh, I mean, wages? I mean, what would the wage have been in those days? Can you remember? £2.12 and six per week. And, you know, we've heard all the stories, and, and we're maybe... Uh, our kids are maybe spoiled a bit, but in those days, you'd have come back home and probably had to hand some of that over to mum. That's right. And then you went up every year until you were a qualified butcher after five years, and your money in your hand home was £9.50 a week. £9.10 shillings, I should say. You know, you say there you, when you became, a, I suppose, a master butcher, but was that up to the man who employed you to tell you that you were now, or th- there were no exams or anything in those days, were there? Not really, no, but you just progressed. It depended on yourself. As he saw you had progressed and that you could work, and you were going, you just went on every year, take a step up. First job you did was cleaning. Then you put on the manufacturing. That was making sausages and mince roll and all this type of thing. Then after a while, you went, you went on to what you call the block. That was cutting up, learning all the different cuts, what this was for and that was for. Then when you knew that, you went on to a counter to serve customers. Mm-hmm. For then you knew what you were talking about when asked you for something. <laughs> of course, because I have an old book here, Mrs. Beaton's cookery book. I showed you it earlier. And, you know, I don't know. Do do we know what all these things are now and those, the way we go to supermarkets and things? You know, you don't know because the meat came in and hang on the wall. It was cut down and the lambs and you saw it. Now it doesn't come in like that. It comes in cut up. Has to go into a cold room as soon as it comes through the door. Yes, yes. Nobody sees it. Yeah. In uh-huh. those days, now I mean, my knowledge of the butchery trade wouldn't be good. But in those days, nowadays I'm seeing where a cow's raised on a farm, it's basically traced the whole way through to the slaughterhouse. Oh, yes. And then it's it was it like that then as well. It wasn't just as tight then as it is today. Traceability mm, okay. now, traceability when you from your calf is born has to be tagged and entered in a herd book. And the department is notified about that. 
and they can trace it from this born to it was slaughtered. And you know, whenever you started, was the was that man who who was in charge? Of you, was he doing deals with local farmers? Was he going to cattle markets to buy in, or how how were they working? He went to Oxford Street Allen's steel yard and bought all his cattle every Tuesday. And on Monday they bought the lambs, and the lambs were transported from there down to Stewart Street and the markets to the abattoir, old abattoir. And it was slaughtered then, and was brought up to the shop and two lo- and a lorry, covered from side to side, and was carried into the shop. Two men carried each side of an animal and on a sh- their shoulder into the shop. And was put up in the, in the side of the wall in the big bars, and then it was the butcher in the shop. They quartered it and put it into the cold room. So yeah. they were bringing it out for boning out for getting ready for seal. Yeah, at, hygiene would have been a big thing then as well, as it is, and it, it seems to have been for a hundred years because the ministry would have come in and checked. I mean, that that would have been something you'd had to learn as well. Oh yes, every so often we had public health inspectors come in, checking your fridge for temperature. Your counters for temperature, walking around your premise for hygiene. Was anything that thought wasn't right? You were told about it. You got a note, and it was maybe came back the next day, or maybe in a week's time to see it was put right. And uh, you know, going around the countryside for many, many years, I've heard the stories when my mum grew up. You know about the pigs that were on the on the local farm, and they were slaughtered there and then. The, the local butcher came out, done all the slaughtering. And there was always those images of him sitting with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth as he skinned the pig. That wouldn't have been happening in, in the butcher shops in Belfast. No, 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 no. That was com- smoking was completely yeah, smoked. You had to go away to the toilet right into the backyard. And, and I can I can remember sawdust seemed to play a part of, yes. of those sort of establishments. Yes, yeah, sawdust was put uh, brushed up every night and cleaned sawdust during the morning. That was to collect any blood or bits of small beat that landed on the floor because it was slippery, dangerous. And the white sawdust when it was open, it looked nice and clean also. And of course, the, the white tiles in the walls as well. I remember one of the, for sale here in, in Killalay, uh when I think it was Mr. Cheever's, um, so, he passed on the sold up. You know, they made a big thing about the white tiles in the walls yes. that represent cleanliness. That's correct. White yeah. tiles were easily kept clean and washed every week. You, you work with animals then from yes. a very young age. Um, yes. I suppose it's different when you're reared on a farm. You know the the eventual result because that's your livelihood and your yeah. business. Did you ever feel strange about it? You know, going into the actual butchery and that side of things rather than just rearing them. No, it never annoyed me in the least. Mm. I knew they were they were being produced for food, mm-hmm. and you get that into your mind, and that's it. Lambs the same. Mm-hmm. See the wee lambs happen about you think oh, they're lovely wee things. Yeah. Yet you never. Yeah, you never thought never twice. Thought twice. Yeah. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. You couldn't really talk to a butcher, could you? And all things meat without playing something from, yeah, Meatloaf. Corny, I know, but it's a, a classic track, two out of three and bad, from many, many years ago, especially for this young fella, Alan Malone from Five Mile Town, who celebrates his birthday later on in the week, so have a happy birthday, Alan. And after this, we're returning to Alfie again, who will be telling me about his move from Belfast to the streets of Killalay. On 105FM and around the world online. This is FM 105, your local station, live 
from the heart of Downpatrick. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. So as you progressed then, you were in the city. How did you get to Killalay then? What what was the story there? The story was there that I, uh, the man who worked at Killalay, I knew a man called George Cargo. And I got to know George, and then talked to him, and he got to know us a bitcher. Then he landed he landed right in my father's yard one night, in the summertime, and he came to the door, and my dad said, there's some man looking for you. And I said, he's been looking for me. So I got out, and it was George, and he says, there's a man here who wants to speak to you, a man called Elliot. And I said, right, now, Elliot, introduced himself as I have a butcher in Kelly Lay, and I'm looking for a... I have a guy who works with me, he's took a mantle not well, and looking for a butcher. So I decided to... He said to me, come down some night and have a chat, so I went down and discussed conditions. And I said to him, no, I can't uh, leave unless I give my boss now a month, week's notice. So I got in and I told my boss I was leaving. Well, he says, I, could, I stopped you before, I can't hold you this time. I was out of my apprenticeship. And uh, I went to work with that man. And I was with him, I think I was with him about four years. And he took ill. And he was in the shop for about six months. I carried on my own. That was from Easter. And then he told me he was selling out. And that's how it came to be in Killyleigh. What? Can you remember what year that was? Oh, gosh, that's a good time now. Oh, fuck, that must be about 40 years ago, easy. Wow. 40, easy, easy. Couple more. And were those premises where your premises are now then, Alfie? That was the same premises, although I modernised it a lot. Yes, yes, okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, you know, starting out on your own, that's a big thing, isn't it? It's very daunting, probably. And, and probably take a wee while just to get to know you in Killalay, people get to know you, or was that was that an issue? No, it wasn't an issue. I actually uh, liked Killalay and liked the people. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I must say, people supported me magnificently. After I took a shop over, the t- turnover started going up. Mm-hmm. You know, and he says, I just held on, held on to us, and worked away and looked after the people, and the people looked after me, mm-hmm. gave them the best service I could, and the best quality I could, mm-hmm. and just snowballed after that. Yeah. You, you've probably seen a lot of change in your lifetime uh, in, in, in the butchery trade. What would be some of the big changes that you noticed from, from all those years ago as an apprentice to what they're doing now? Back in pack meat. It was a big change. Mm-hmm. Bringing meat in back, wrapped up back in pack. Mm-hmm. I yeah. never, I never liked it at all. As a matter of fact, I don't like any stuffing that's wrapped up in plastic. To be yeah. honest with you, would you have seen carcasses hanging up then? You know, would the, would the public have seen that whenever you were an apprentice, or was that still in the cold room, or would they have been all there and you'd have taken the, the whatever off them in front of people? They came up once the the carcass came in and sides, it was put up on the wall in the shop. And the big bars, mm-hmm. and people, and a white sheet went around the bottom of it to keep people off it, and people could see it hanging, seen it coming in with two men climbing on their shoulders. You see, and then they brought in that uh, law passed after a few years that when you bring your meat in, it must go into your cold room. So it's quartered on the van, force brought in, and then goes sit into your cold room. Right. It's rung on sides in the wall, but quartered into your cold room. And you, you throw it in your shoulder as quarters and brought it out and cut it up into whatever cuts you need and prepared it for the customer. Do you see the demand now change, though? I mean, what customers ask you for now is not what they would have been asking you for 40 years ago. Has right, it, yeah. Things have changed a lot, I would think. Oh, very much so. 
years ago, uh, people come in looking for stewing meat, stewing meat, stewing lamb. Yeah, yeah. Ox heart. Yeah. Kidneys. Wow. Those things are all gone now. Nobody, nobody asked for those, very few. Well, I, I can remember, you know, when I grew up, it was corned beef and tongue. That's right, yes. You wouldn't be, you, you could never see ox, ox tongue now at all. That was a big thing in the shop. You wouldn't see an ox tongue. Don't even think you could get one now. They might have had to do with them. And then, in my mum's time, she would have talked about, um, you know, the old butchers would nearly have put adverts in the local papers looking rabbits. So they would have they would have been looking game brought into them. Yes, well, there was no rabbits, uh, actually rabbits in my day, but there was pheasants. Mm-hmm. A lot of people used to bring in pheasants. You have to get pheasant for them, order pheasants. That's like a delicacy now, isn't it? But that is complete. You wouldn't get that now at all. Wow. Nobody wants that amazing. now. Yes. So the top sellers now, I mean, what? What is it sirloin? Is it just the, the standards? That's the top sellers now would be, yes, sirloins, rump steaks, fillet steaks, lamb chops, sandarloin chops and things like that. You would very seldom ask anybody looking now for stewing meat. It's steak pieces, steak pieces. And whatever happened to bones for the dog? Well, it used to be you could have given somebody bones for a dog, but then with public health regulations... Ah, right. They stopped that. They stopped that. By law, public health stopped all that. Don't go out. So, I mean, that's the same. I, I can remember as a child the, the, the bone and the marrow uh, going into the soup, so you, that's not going to happen anymore. Uh, well, you still get marrow in the bone because still people like shin to make soup, and marrow is one of the things that helps your soup. You're not just an expert on meat because I know, and I've been there in your shop, and uh, you will get people asking you how to cook certain things, what do you need to do with this, and so on. So you have to be a bit of an expert, uh, a chef as well as a butcher. That is right. The younger generation of today would come in and ask you, I want to do cook so-and-so, whatever it may be. You get it for them, and uh, how long would it take to cook that? Mm. Whereas the older generation seemed to knew off the top of their head what they wanted, and you never got the same questions. And, and I suppose the other big changes are decimal currency. So when that all changed from pounds, shillings, and pence, uh, and, and into the new money, how did you find how did you find all that transformation years ago? It was actually it was very awkward at the start. You got to use the decimalisation currency, the same as the weights used to be pounds, ounces, now it's kilos. That's right, that's right. So everything you get in is now done that way. Done in kilos. Yeah, that's it. So another big change. That's another very, very big change too. Yeah. I think that was the common market brought that in. You're, the, the tools of the trade then, when, when you were serving as an apprentice, how have those tools, I, I can just imagine, maybe not, maybe more in hairdressers where you would have seen them sharpening the, the knives and the leather, or the straps. I don't know what sort of tools you guys would use. You know, have, have things changed a lot over those years? No, not really. The butchery equipped still the same. The steel still the same for sharpening. It hasn't changed in the least. Saws, saws, chevers, knives are still the same. The, the future, I mean, the shop, I believe, has probably expanded a bit. You have other outlets now, you know, yes. for, for your own business at the minute, I'll think. Yes, it's got, uh, now at the moment, there's a lot of change took place. Other shops like supermarkets come and looking to you and supply them with meat. But they want it all wrapped, pre-packed, put to a vacuum packer, and labelled, and dated, and whatever's in the packet, the name of the packet, sirloin, fillet, whatever it may be. Different world. Different world completely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, day after small butcher is finished, it's all taken over by supermarkets now. 
In, in your day, I was looking through the old adverts. I, I seen the word flesher and polterer as well. Is that something that would have been used, a flesher? A flesher, yes. They call them fleshers, polterers and fleshers in those days. Instead, they it all to family butchers. Mm. <laughs> You're in a, a, an area of the Loch Shore now. Um, was fish ever ever considered in, in the business? Would you ever have thought of that? No, never thought of fish. I used to think fish and meat didn't mix with the smell of fish. Right, okay. So I never interested <laughs> in fish. Alfie, I'm sure over all those years you've seen generations of people. If you've been there 40 years, you've seen generations of people coming in. You know, they are customers, but you probably view those people as, as other other individuals or friends, possibly. Oh, those are class them all as friends, not customers, just good friends. You see them every week, maybe twice a week. Had a bit of chat about the weather, chat about how's so and so keeping well, or all this, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. That's what I noticed when I first went in. Um, you know, it, it's it's the way you want service. You know, you ref, you referred to everybody properly as Mister, and and you didn't know me at the start, but until you got to know me, then you know you we, you develop that relationship, and that's the important thing in business, isn't it, Alfie? Yes, known somebody, Mr. Mrs. Sloan or Mr. Sloan or Mr. White, Mr. White, mm-hmm. and their family, and that's yeah, that's, that's how I addressed all my customers, Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. And now the younger generation sees them all the Christian names. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, it's such a change, isn't it? That's it's a big change. It's a change. And the leg of Corn Hamill come in. You knew Miss Corn, right? Okay. Our Mr. Major Hernick, yeah, totally very major. You address them as as as. as yeah. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. We leave Alfie there for the present. Thank you so much, Alfie Murray, for talking to me on tonight's show. All about your life and uh, life in the butchery trade. A delight to talk to you. Uh, I'll also be returning next week uh, to speak to Alfie again all about this noise. Yeah, it's Kirk. Yeah, it's turkeys. Turkeys and Christmas. You can find details of Alfie Murray Butchers at 3 Cross Street in Killalay on their Facebook page, Alfie Murray Family Butchers. So if we take a dander up from Alfie's towards the cross uh, in Killalay, then we'll find the cornerstone at the corner of the Cross Street and Shore Street. And of course, local singer and songwriter born here in Killalay, Conal Montgomery, penned a song about that exact stone. It has received so much airplay across the globe, yeah, and uh, what an appropriate time to play it again tonight because Conal celebrates his I'm not going to tell him, Conal uh, he celebrates his birthday on the 20th of November. I believe a big happy birthday uh, to you, sir, and keep doing what you do. So after the Cornerstone, stay tuned to hear the Castle Welland Studio players perform Episode 4, Series 2 of The Amazing Adventures of Jonathan No Middle Name Jackson. I think I'm getting a hint they may be changing the name at the end of that one, but who knows? You have to listen in to find out. So I'll see you all again next week. Thank you for tuning. Thank you for lending me your ears. Chris Scott Show will be along next week again, Wednesday night, 78, and each Sunday, repeat it, 8 to 9. Uh, next week, we'll be talking all about turkeys and toys. It is, of course, the 1st of December, so I'll get away with that one. So in the meantime, stay safe. Stay tuned to FM 105. Good night, folks. You're listening to Chris Scott. On FM 105, Down Community Radio. On 105 FM and around the world online. This is FM 105, your local station live from the heart of Downpatrick. You're listening to Chris Scott. 
on FM 105, Down Community Radio. episode of the amazing adventures of Jonathan No Middle Name Jackson. Last week, Jonathan, Samantha and Donna were just about to be told by the voice of the void how to get to the town of Brioche when they ran out of time because the sketch ended. We catch up with them still waiting in the same place to find out where they have to go. Finally, you're back. We've been standing here for a whole waiting for you to return. Sorry, but the sketch ended. What? So you couldn't wait just one more minute while we found out where we had to go? I had to read what was written and... What is that disgusting smell? That's Donna. You get used to her after a while. Where is she? Uh, Samantha said she had to stay at least a 100 yards away. I can hear voices. Who are you talking to? Is the narrator back yet? Yeah, she's just arrived. Please, please, please hurry up and introduce the voice of the void so we can leave this place. Seeing as you asked nicely, I will. After enjoying a pleasant week relaxing at a spa, the voice of the void returns. Hello. So nice to see you again. How is everyone? Hungry. Tired. Smelly. Well, I'm back now. So, where were we? You were about to give directions to the town of Brioche? That's right, I was. Ah, I see your friends coming to join us. Oh dear, that smell is really quite overpowering. If you if you give us directions, we can leave quickly. Of course. Well, all you need to do is go through that door there, and that will take you to Brioche. What? That door there? The one that has been there the whole time? The one that we could have gone through at any point before now, had we known that's what it was? Yes, that's the one. Well, don't let me keep you. I'm sure you're eager to get going. Bye-bye. Don't rush back. At least not until your friend has had... A wash. Jonathan, Samantha and Donna go through the door and find themselves on a small cobbled street in the town of Brioche in Lancashire in 1979. Thankfully, for everyone's sense of smell, they book into a hotel where Donna finally gets to have a shower. The next part of this sketch was meant to be an amusing tale of how Jonathan, Samantha and Donna found the bun of brioche. However, I read it and it really wasn't that good. I didn't have the heart to tell the writer because he spent hours working on it. So instead, I arranged for the bakery of Beyonce Bun to move premises overnight and it is now located directly opposite the hotel. Oh, and thank you, classical music, but that's enough. We don't need you anymore. What? 
They told me that they needed me to play all through this part of the sketch. Yes, well, that was before, but things have changed. So thank you for your contribution. But we need to get on with the story. Rock, hip-hop, jazz, and all my other music friends are listening. I told them I had a big part in tonight's episode. Like I said, things changed. However, if we need a background filler in another episode, you'll be the first music we call. Can't say I'm happy about it, but it's better than nothing, I suppose. Right, well, um, in that case, I'll just collect my instruments and I'll be on my way. Back to the bakery. Hello, we are looking for Beyonce Bun. Hey, it, lads. You've come to the right place. She's just in the back room making an halo for the angel cake. Excuse me, do the people from the north of England really speak like this? Of course tit not. But tit writer thinks it's tit funny, tit make us tit sound like tit way. But don't you worry, tit was. Next tit time, he's up here visiting tit friends. Will tit get the tit bugger? The North remembers. That's all I'm saying. That's a great slogan. You should put that on a t-shirt. Don't you mean... Tet t-shirt? Oops, so sorry. I don't know why I said that. That's okay, tit lass. I know it's tit not you. It's tit bloody rider. Putting tit words in tit butt mouths. We're tit here till our tit get Beyonce for ya. T- Hello, I'm Tit Beyonce Bun. Hi, I'm Jonathan, no middle name Jackson. This is Samantha Smallwood, and this is Donna, who, as of yet, still does not have a surname, even though we are four episodes into the second series. Hmm. Um, we're on a quest to find the treasure of Le Chat Noir and have been told you know where the next artefact is? Aye, that I do. But in order to get it, you will need to skill and to cunning and to be prepared to win at any cost. It sounds very dangerous. That it is. But if Jonathan is like father, then he will succeed. You know my father. And uncle. I'm sorry, writer. I can't keep reading these lines. They are ridiculous. Nobody talks like this. Almost every other word has a t in it. You tell him, tit Beyonce. I'm going to carry on using my own voice unless you object, in which case I'll be happy to leave and you can find someone else to read this part. Do you think that he's listening? Well, we'll see, won't we? Yes, I think he heard me. Good. Now, let me just see where I am. Ah, yes, here we are. Yes, Jonathan, I know both your father and uncle. 
They were very helpful to me after a disastrous performance in the early stages of my international singing career. I felt all alone in life, just me, myself and I. Without them, I don't know if I would have ever had the nerve to set foot again on stage, let alone sing. I told them both of the dream I had as a child about being a star and they said, and I quote, It's your destiny, child, to make that dream come true. It was hard going, but as your father said, I'm a survivor. So where do we find the artefact? For that, we have to visit the travelling funfair that is situated on the heath. Is it far? Unfortunately, it is quite some distance from where we are. Much too far to walk. If this was television, there would be a scene where the four of us, in my top-of-the-range Mercedes, drive through the town passing intriguing and interesting shops. Then there would be a long shot as we head out into the countryside and drive up to the heath. But this is radio, so... Oh, look, we have arrived at the fair already. Radio is so much easier when it comes to travelling. Yes, and more importantly, cheaper. Look, Jonathan, a big wheel. We must go on it. I'm not sure there'd be time, Donna. We need to drag out the sketch a bit, so we might as well enjoy yourselves while we're here. For the next few hours, the four of them ate candy floss, ice cream and loads and loads of junk food whilst going on as many rides as possible. At one point, the woman running the bumper cars had to ban Donna and Samantha for overly aggressive behaviour between the pair of them. But apart from that, everyone had a wonderful time. Well, that was fun, but we really should get on with the story. Where is the next artefact? Follow me. It's at the one stall we have yet to visit. Jonathan, I'm starting to think that a person dressed as a creepy clown is following us. They always seem to be in the background wherever we go. Seriously, Samantha, I thought you knew better. All the best funfair stories have a creepy clown following someone. So, you think the clown will become important as we get towards the end of the sketch? I can pretty much guarantee it. This is the stall where the artefact is. It's one of those... Throw a ring over the box to win type of stall. So where is the artefact? It's that one there. The one in the centre. You mean the small metal statue of Chris Hemsworth, dressed as the Norse god Thor, from a certain movie franchise? That's the one. Can't we just ask the woman working the stall for it? No. In order for statue to reveal where the next artefact is, a ring must drop over the box that it stands on. Easy enough. I've already paid the woman and she gave me the three rings. Well, here goes. Bad luck, Jonathan. Try again. Bugger! Last one. Here goes. Wait, wait, wait. What for? You already missed twice. You cannot afford to miss this time. What difference does that make? Even if he does, he can always get another three rings and try again. You don't understand. Each person who tries only gets three chances. After that, 
Even if they get the ring over the box, the statue will not divulge the location of the next artifact. What? Why didn't you tell me that beforehand? I only have one ring left. If Jonathan misses, can I try? Yes, but now that the identity of the statue has been revealed, anyone could get their hands on it. Do your best, Jonathan. I missed. Don't worry, Jonathan. I'll have a try. Excuse me, Stoneholder, can I have rings, please? You'll have to wait. There's someone in front of you. Who? That clown. Jonathan, look, it's a clown from earlier. And he, or possibly she, it's hard to tell under the wig and all that makeup, have the rings. We meet again, Miss Smallward. Oh no, Jonathan. It's the stranger on the train from episode 3 of the first series, and again later in episode 6, dressed as a pantomime cow. Yes, Miss Smallward, it is I. And now, with one nifty toss of this ring, I will be in possession of the artifact that you so foolishly revealed to me. Told you. Whoopee! Yeah! I've done it! I've done it! And on my very first try as well! No! Stoolholder, if you please, the metal statue of Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Stop! No, you can't give him that statue. I need it to find the treasure of Le Chat Noir, and of course to be reunited with my father and my uncle. Well, if you wanted it, then you should have put a ring on it. At long last, I have succeeded in my plan. No more will I have to follow you three around, picking through the scraps of storylines, looking for work. No more listening to the three of you, week in, week out, enjoying your adventure. Finally, now that I am in possession of an artifact, I get to call the shots. With the statue of Thor in my hands, I had the opportunity to become a main character with more lines and, more importantly, a choice of custard creams or chocolate hobnobs at the coffee break. Jonathan, what should we do? Beyonce, can you help? I can tell you this. There is a two-part ritual you need to do in order for the statue to reveal the location of the next artefact. The first is inscribed on the base of the statue, and whilst doing that, you have to say the second part, which is to say my name. Hopefully, the one who now has it will not be aware of the second part. There must be more you can do. Let me just check the script. Er, uh, no, sorry, but that's it. According to this, it's time for me to go. But you can't leave. You have to stay and help us get back the metal statue of Thor and in turn carry the story into the next episode. I beg you, I implore you, stay and help us put right that which has gone wrong. What do you say? Will you stand with us on the right side of history? She's already gone, Jonathan. Oh. Does that mean the clown keeps a statue and we now become minor characters? I'm afraid so, yes.
What? <sighs> it's okay, Donna. I'm sure something will turn up and get us back into the main story. In the meantime, at least we still have each other. We still have each other? That's right. No matter what has happened, we still have each other. We still have each other? Is that all you can bloody say, you dozy, brainless, thick-headed moron? All you had to do, Jonathan, all you had to do was throw a stupid little ring over a stupid little box and we could have carried on as main characters in the story. But oh no, not you. You had to make a complete mess of everything and miss the shot. A stuffed monkey with his head shoved up its backside could have thrown that ring better than you. I just don't believe this. After everything I'd gone through in order to get my hands on the treasure of the Chat Noir, all the crap that I've had to put up with, constantly jumping from one ridiculous line to the other, and for what? Just so, in episode 4 of the second series, I can watch you flush all my hard work down the toilet. Well, I'm not going to let that happen. Oi, you, Klein, do you want a partner? Actually, yes I do. I was going to start interviewing people once this sketch had finished. I'll save you the worry of finding someone. I have both adventure and previous main character experience. I'm good at reading my lines, and I know the second part of the ritual that you need to make the statue work. In that case, welcome aboard, partner. Great. Let's get going and leave these losers behind. The clown and Donna disappear into the throng of people with the metal statue of Thor, leaving Jonathan and Samantha at somewhat of a loss as to what to do next. Jonathan, we need that statue. Otherwise, we will not be able to continue in our quest for the treasure of Le Chat Noir, without which you will never be reunited with your father and uncle. I'm also worried that they will no longer call it The Amazing Adventures of Jonathan No Middle Name Jackson, if you are no longer the main person on the adventure. I don't suppose there's anything you could do to help us, is there, narrator? I can do this. Tune in next week for another episode of The Amazing Adventures of Jonathan No Middle Name Jackson. Name change possibly pending. In that episode... Maria O'Brien played the narrator. Mark Maidenutney played Jonathan Jackson and the voice of the void. Michelle Dorans played Samantha Smallwood. Siobhan Miller played Donna the Druid. Anthony McFadden played the clown. Kushla McKibben played Beyonce Bunn. Tim Connolly played the shop worker. Mark Hesley played classical music with Brigida Krosky playing the storeholder. The writer was Anthony McFadden. You're listening to Chris Scott. 
on FM 105. Down Community Radio.